The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church in Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. This morning, we're going to do something a little bit different uh, than we normally do. Um, uh, and I'm going to introduce this guy to you here to my left. This is, uh, this is uh, Sky Katie. Hi. Hey, Sky. Hey. And uh, Sky's a pastor in England, and, um, which is, by the way, my wife's favorite place on all the planet. You know, she, she's, she's got big place. plans for us to beautiful move over place. there. <laughs> but um, uh, so he's a pastor over there in um, the town of Bath, which I've been to. It's a beautiful place. And uh, he has a unique tie also to our church and our congregation. And uh, so he was coming back to be with his family this Christmas. And so I said, hey, why don't you, you know, come and be with us and, and give us an update on your life. And so we thought we'd just do uh, just a quick interview for you this morning and, and uh, introduce you to Sky. Not, not everybody knows him. And um, so we wanted to give nice. you an opportunity to get to know him and hear about his ministry and his life. And we're so very proud of him. And in a lot of ways, Sky is a favored son of our church. Uh, which not very many people have that status, you know, as favorite son status. <laughs> I don't. Uh, Trevor does. Uh, but um, I think you have to be born here in the church to have that. That helps. And yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but he's been, he's been either in our church or uh, affiliated with our church nearly his whole life. Pretty much, yeah. Since I was like five. Five yeah. years old. So I'm 31 now, so that would be... Yeah. 26 so, years. So you, you were never in the nursery, but you were, you were everywhere I was. Was I not in the nursery? Yeah, I was in the nursery, but I was in every, like, one of the little kids' rooms up there, which I just walked through about 10 minutes ago. Was that it's weird? It's pretty amazing. <laughs> Dude, I love the jungle room. Why didn't they have that when I was here? I didn't I think know. that way. Somebody got inspired by the Rainforest Cafe, I think. I think that's yeah, what it was. Yeah, that's probably what it is. <laughs> So um, just to kind of lay some groundwork for us, why don't you just kind of quickly tell us about, you know, uh, you know, your your mom and dad and your your family and, you know, how long you've been, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, so I grew up in this church and I remember, uh, yeah, so five or six years old, my mom and dad are Ron and Nora Katie. And if you have met them, I imagine most of you have seen them here before. I think they leave a a home group at the moment. I think they do. So, uh, yeah, I went to... I grew up all the way through and went to the camps, uh, the open Bible camps. I actually became a Christian when I was eight years old, so third grade at Camp Miller, Sylvania. So I became a Christian while going to this church at this, the camp this church runs. And then I uh, received the call of ministry in 10th grade when I was 15 at Camp Gwynwood, uh, which was so the, the camps that open Bible did and this church did had a huge inf- impact on my life, as well as the people in this church and the family of this church was to me. Um, I went on my first missions trip, I think when I was in like sixth grade, with Darby Kruger, who used to go here as well. And that really gave me a heart for missions and getting out and serving the Lord. And uh, the Lord has said lots of things to me while I've been in this room here. Um, the Holy Spirit's come several times while I've been here. That's an exciting thing. So it's a, it's, it's a great thing to be able to come back and, and, uh, and share what God's been doing since then. <laughs> Yeah. So just kind of the, you know, touch on a few things, you know, throughout your life. You uh, went to college. And so, yeah, I graduated from here. Oh, I finished here, and then I went to uh, Multnomah Bible College down in Oregon, Portland, Oregon. 
And then uh, I came back for a little while and did a summer discipleship school with, uh, with Open Bible on the West Coast. That was a missions and ministry training school for high school and college students. And then after that, I went to uh, Fuller Theological Seminary. I got my master's in theology and cross-cultural ministry. And during that time, and, and before and during after that time, I was a, a pastor, a worship and a youth pastor down in California uh, for about three and a half years. And then uh, and after that, I, I moved to England. Yeah. yeah. And so you, um, you know, how, so how many years have you been in ministry? Well. <laughs> Your whole life? <laughs> yeah. You know, since, well, since I would say I, I first started acting as a leader, as a youth pastor, maybe when I was 20. Okay. So I'd be like 11. All right. And then it was on and off based on where I was or yeah. what I was doing. So yeah. 11 years and... Um, and it all, and all hasn't been super easy and super fun. All hasn't and, been. <laughs> yeah. No, and definitely you, not. But you, so you went through some really tough times, some dark, dark years. And I remember right. you, you would call me sometimes uh, pretty late at night, and um, and we talk yeah. on the phone and pray together. And uh, you still call me late at night. Um, mm-hmm. the, you know, you're eight <laughs> that, hours. That's right. That us. happened. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> it, was like, it was like three in the morning. Or it was three in the morning yeah. my time. It was yeah. normal time your time. Oh, okay. Um, but um, that was yeah. I've called a few people here late at night because something spiritual was going on that was interesting. But uh, so, you know, we pray together and we've had this, this ongoing relationship. And so, you know, why don't you just touch on, on going through some that of those dark one. times and how, uh, how the Lord brought you through it. Yeah. Um, well, actually, it'd be really good because I actually can't see anybody's faces. It's really helpful to see eyes. Is there a way to turn that down a little bit? It's, really, it's helpful to talk to, to people. Um, if, if we can turn that, that spotlight down a little bit. So for me, about five years ago now, or four and a half maybe, something like that, I met uh, Nadia, who became my wife. Uh, can you guys see me okay? That's fine right there. Um, so I was married. I was married for about a year and a half. She was my first girlfriend. And then while I was pastor down in California, uh, she decided that it was time to do some not great things. <laughs> Uh, and about the worst thing you could imagine if you're married. And so that happened again and again and again, three or four times. And, uh, yeah, adultery. Um, and then, uh, so the, I've, I've shared this story with my church over in England as well, but it's a little bit closer to home here. I, none of you guys really know her. Maybe a couple, maybe a couple of you do. Um, but I haven't shared it here yet. Um, yeah, when... When uh, she left with the first guy, I didn't really know who he was, and, and so I was told surprised me. had no idea, no idea. Um, I walked up and said, okay, well, that's, uh, that sucks. Uh, I love you. God loves you. God wants to reconcile, and I hope it will happen. I hope we'll reconcile. I don't think I did that like, like what, the day after or two days after I found out. And then uh, about a month later, the second guy, uh, I said, okay, uh, I love you. God loves you. And uh, reconciliation is possible. And then about a month later, the third guy, I said, God loves you. Uh, I don't like you too much, but God wants reconciliation. And the fourth guy which was a good friend of mine in the church where I was at. So we were married, married about a year and a half. Um, yeah, it was about four months afterwards. The fourth guy uh, said, uh, um, 
God loves you. I don't. But no matter what, God always wants a reconciliation, and I want what God wants. Period. I don't know if I could bring myself to say to finish the sentence. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So after about five months, she said, that nah, gone. And uh, the church was it, was, it was pretty obvious what was happening. So it wasn't like, yeah, it's too bad. It sucked. Uh, and God slowly restored. I, so I was, I was pastor, so I stepped down. I resigned. I said, okay, no, I, I'm too, you only give out of what you have. You serve out of who you are. And the Holy Spirit moves through you. And off all I had was hurting and pain. And, oh, I can't, you can't give out of that as a pastor. So I said, uh, I'll step back. And it took me about a year for the Lord to restore me and work on my heart. And finally I started getting back into leading worship. And I slowly started um, just witnessing to people again and started a small group. And, and it became healthy. And after that, I was like, okay, Lord, I'm ready to. Where's next? I remember, um, uh, you know, knowing you during that time. And, you know, of course, we were all heartbroken about it and, um, you know, praying for you a lot. And, and uh, I remember praying with your mom and dad. They would come in on Sunday and cry pretty hard during the service, you know, and ask for prayer for you. And, and uh, uh, you know, unbelievably difficult time in your life. And yet God brought you through it. He restored you and your life and your ministry and, and your, the, the gifts and callings of God are, are not without uh, repentance. And, and so, you know, the Lord restored you in, in every way and, and, you know, restored your calling in your life. And he's a restoring God. Yeah. But what, uh, you know, what, what did you, you came out of all of that? What was the, is, can you say, there's probably a lot of things, but can you say there's one thing? That, that the Lord showed you that maybe you didn't know previously or you hadn't experienced before? Um, well, the ex- I, I, one thing I did maybe didn't know previously was the extent of our self-deception. Like how messed up we all are. <laughs> we are just, we don't even know which direction's up. And I'm a pastor and I know God. I read the Bible every day and I do that say that. I don't know which direction's up. Like I think he's up there. So... The, the extent to which I think I know is, is not even, it's, just, it's not there. I, when, I, when I try to define reality, I say, this is the way things are, and this is the way things should be. I have an idea, but I, um, I'm sinful. And uh, I remember one time when I went and sat down with this guy, like my friend, um, with, with you know, the guy. And I was driving along one day. I'm like, hey, okay, whatever. And God's like, you need to go talk to him now. I'm like, what? I don't want to kill him. No, you need to go talk to him. I'm like, I don't trust myself. Well, it's okay. You can trust me. I'm like, okay, well, I'll trust you, God. So I went and I sat down with him. He's like, oh, you know, he's here. Oh, Scott, yeah. So I remember one thing I said. I said, I, I do believe that myself put under the same circumstances in any other kind of place or time. I am capable of doing what you did. I am capable. Every one of us is capable of screwing up and doing bad stuff. You know, I'll do it. So most of the time, we screw up in other ways. Um, but the, yeah, this, that would be something new—the extent of how how much we can mess things up. The depth of God's depravity, mercy and, and mercy. His grace, and how patient and kind he is with us well that would be the second thing so the first thing is like how messed up we are and the second thing uh it would be two statements one is the sentness of god 
He sends his son to us. He goes to us. He doesn't have to go to us. He just decides, I'm going to go after these people I created and I love them. No matter what, I'm going to continue to follow them and chase them. God sent us. And then no matter what, he always, always wants to reconcile. Always. He always wants to restore. No matter what. In every circumstance, all the time. Always wants to restore. It's a, it's a, it isn't always possible. It isn't always possible. Um, some, you know, we, the Bible tells us to be at peace with all men as it has to do with you. You know, so some, you can't make somebody uh, do something they don't want to do. Um, but we, we can do our part on that, and that's certainly God's desire. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you, you know, the, let's talk a little bit about the difference between the cultures of, you know, Europe and America and, and pastoring over in Europe and pastoring in America because you've done both. And you have a unique um, insight, I think, on that because you've been in both of those, those cultures, and you can see the differences there. Um, I think, you know, looking at, looking at the culture in America, I would say uh, our big issue, you know, our thing here, and probably it's probably true of England, I don't know, but I'd like you to talk about it a little bit, is, uh, is hardness of heart. That, that people um, uh, really harden their heart towards God, toward the things of God. Uh, I remember having a conversation with a young guy um, not too long ago, and he told me, he said, you know, I... Um, uh, uh, he he want, he wanted to be able to move in with his girlfriend, and uh, he was a Christian, and he knew that that was not right, not the right thing to do, and that God uh, f- forbids uh, that kind of thing. And um, and so he said, "Well, God has, you know, all these bad things have happened in my life, and so God isn't real." And so he was trying. He was he was sort of mad at God and rejecting God because he couldn't do what he wanted to do. And really, it was, it, was, it was hardness of heart. It was just a stubborn, hard heart that says, uh, I want to do my thing regardless of what uh, God says. And I see that same quality um, resident within the church in America and, uh, and in our culture today. It's just that, that real hard stubbornness of I'm not going to do what God wants I want to do it my way. Yeah, I, I want to figure out a way. To I'm going to be way. the God of my life. Yeah. So, uh, do, you, do you see any of that in, in in England? I think it's definitely there. I think with people in England, uh, there's not like the one. The main, maybe the one difference is there's not many lukewarm or nominal Christians in England. Either you are or you aren't. It costs you something to say you're a Christian. Like here. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, okay, whatever. You, you move on. You can, you can, people know the basis of the gospel here. But there, people, it's, uh, they, they don't know it. Like, what do you know about Jesus? Oh, you know, he's this teacher who lived a long time ago. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. Yeah. And it, but you, so you can talk to him. You can explain the gospel like, wow, I've never heard that before. And it really is new. And it could possibly good, be good news to them. We know it is. But it could be, they could hear it as good news. So... Uh, in terms of, because there's no, there's not many nominal Christians. Um, the Christians that are there, they know it and they, they try to live by it. They also screw up so they realize how messed up they are. But um, if if you don't want God, you, you turn them off pretty quick. Turn them off really early, early, early on the process. Um, and that's where the hardness of heart would come in. No, I don't want to hear it. No, I don't have to be responsible for it. 
Yeah. I mean, my, the goal, kind of our, my and John's goal after today is for us to, because we're going to talk about a lot of different things just between here and England, is that you pick one thing, like, ah, yes, I can bring that home. I can meditate on it. I can think about it. Uh, we pray that that change, changes kind of how you see things. So we'll talk about a lot of stuff, obviously. Yeah. yeah I think, uh, so you, now, you, you can go back to that last slide, Melissa. Or who, is that Blair up there? Uh, there's some of the differences. I know you were reading this while John was talking. <laughs> but uh, let me run through a couple of these. Can you guys read those okay? Yeah. England, 55 million people versus 260 million people. England, 4 to 5% Christian, while America is 60%. It's not a lot of nominal Christians. Uh, don't know about Christianity, just what I said, know the basics in America. Church is hundreds of years old in England. Uh, and I get this another one down there. Almost thousands of years old. Very slow to change. In America, change is expected, expected and welcomed in principle. In principle. Doesn't mean you do, we do it very easily, but we like the idea of it. Oh, we change. That's good. Okay, let's do that. No, I don't want to do it. So, but there, they don't even talk about change as a good thing. Oh, no, we don't do that. Uh, very stoic, non expressive demeanor in England. Uh, one denomination, the Church of England, which is what I work for, but there's many fingers. Uh, it's 500 years old. It was actually started by the Henry, King Henry VIII. And the reason why it was started was because he chopped off his first wife's head, he executed his second wife, and he wanted to get married to a third, which I think was. I don't know who she was, but the Pope's like, nah, none of that. He's like, fine, I'm going to start my own church. We're going to start Church of England. Pope, you're excommunicated. That's how it started. So it was started off a rebellion, not a very good beginning, but... Yeah, you know. kind of like most churches here in America. <laughs> but we just call ourselves a different denomination, yeah, yeah. you know, every time. So it's like multiple splits, but in uh, England. Anyway, so it's really hard. It's like a big umbrella. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're all part of the same thing. But they don't. There's people within my church who have vastly different theologies. Uh, a lot of times the, the theology of the church will come from the main pastor. And he'll talk about who God is and what he wants for us. Well, there, um, it's not, that's, there's people all along the spectrum. Yeah, gays are fine. Yeah, yeah, homosexuality is great. Or, yeah, uh, marriage is only for men and women. In the same church, and they're strong on it. So that's some of the differences. Um, here in, in England, it's ritually driven. People are driven by their ritual. This is the way we do things. We've always done it this way. Okay, part of the related to the change thing. Um, we stand up, we sit down, we pray, we read a verse. Uh, I would say in America, we're primarily image driven. I mean, the, you know, we got slides that look good. We have new paint on the walls. We have new paint on the outside. You look in here, things look pretty cleaned up. And generally, most churches in America value that. In England, not so the case. Like, the newest thing before I got there was something from the mid-'80s. Like, the newest kind of graphic or visual or color. So that's one major, major difference. Presentation. Americans are just good at presentation. Very so good. is, like, the, the church is, like, trashy on the inside? Or? It's not trashy. It's just really old. Huh. huh. And, like, all the churches are like that, yeah. Huh. Like, the huh. welcome sign is a knit banner. From the, wow. from the quilting team. Are they using flannel graphs? <laughs> they don't. That's weird. They don't use flannel graphs. Okay. Because right, right, right. I'm over the children's ministry, so all they're right, doing right, a lot better right, in, that, in that area. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, one, one, the last interesting thing, thing on here, and this relates to the amount of Christians and the permeation of Christianity into society. Here, we're against Christianity. Uh, no, we're against Christianity. Um, here, uh, there's a definition between church and state. There's a distinction. There, there's not so much. A lot, the state does a lot of Christian things. They have Church of England schools, like public schools. 
but the church, the church of England sp- sponsors them. And so I go in and preach in schools. Like this last, last four months, I preached in five different high schools, public high schools, and shared the gospel to thousands of kids. Could you do that? You couldn't do that here <laughs> at all. Awesome. That's yeah. cool. And then uh, three to five major Christian events. That's, uh, anyway, so there's just a lot fewer Christians, so it costs you something more uh, to say you're a Christian. Oh, that's cool. I didn't yeah. know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so, so here's this uh, young, handsome, uh, charismatic American shows up at this uh, this Church of England. What 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 happened? I mean, did they? Did, did, I mean, it must be like uh, you're some sort of odd, you know, novelty or something at first, right? It, I mean, yeah. Was I it like still the, a little bit? We have novelty. an American in our church, <laughs> you know, kind of a feel. It what, is. What, what what happened? I mean, did the start church start? Did it receive you? Did it start changing? What tell us about that? It it, it did. In fact, I had a when I moved over there, I had two possibilities. I'm like, Lord, just give me an op. What do you want me to do? And he didn't answer. I'm like, Lord, because I had an option in Puyallup. I had a church in Puyallup, and I had a church in and there. I said, just give me an answer. He's like, no, no sign. What? Uh, why not? He's like, you need to learn to move forward in my blessing, knowing that I'm going to be with you wherever you go. I'm at work in England. I'm at work in Puyallup. I'm at work in you. It's going to be a good fit. And so, and so that happens. So, okay, well, so you choose. All right, okay, I'll go to England. Um, so it was really good. And it has been a really good fit. Now, they actually, they, so they offered me the job without even actually seeing me. I mean, they saw me on Skype. The second Skype interview, they offered me the job. And then they offered to pay because I was like, oh, they were going to fly me over. And, and they did. And I think because God was all over it and they knew and they prayed and got her and all that, uh, it was a really good fit. Like, for example, my role, um, maybe you say prophesied or people have encouraged me and whatever, has been a change agent within the church, challenging the structures, people, organization, view of God, all that kind of stuff, which I think we all hope, most of us hope will be that in our friends' lives to an extent. We'll be a change agent and we'll challenge them to love God and be more passionate about Jesus. We really hope that. So for me in the church, I have been that. Um, so first they go, they listen. Well, that's an interesting idea. Let's let that down. And then the second time, Oh, wow, that went so if it works. Okay, great, let's listen to his ideas. And then the third time, and the fourth time, the fifth time, I don't know, it's been about a year and a half now, so they might be starting to get tired of what I'm saying. But, you know, that's the, that's the main prayer is that I continue to be a change agent of transformation and to challenge how they view God, which awesome. is a little different. We'll talk about it in a minute. Yeah, so it's uh, so how, how big is the church? Uh, 350 or 400, maybe. And how many staff members are there? There's three full-time. So I'm full-time, and there's three other full-time and then there's 10 paid and what's it what's it what, you gotta you gotta oh there you there's are. a picture that's, there you go that's the that's church. my church that's my church yeah oh my gosh it looks like a castle it is it looks like huh? you got turrets on the top wow <laughs> I mean, i'm, ex- like I'm turrets, expecting huh? gandalf to come out of that thing <laughs> look at that dude that thing was that tower was made in 1250 wow so what are we looking at? Is that the sanctuary? So that's the front. And you, they used to walk in the front there. And then the, that used to be the tower. That's yeah. The, yeah. So just the right of that, that's probably made in the 1850s because the church got bigger and grew. And then you can barely see, just around the corner of the right is like the main entrance. Uh-huh. But they used to enter, enter in the left there. So, so they have bells in that. So what's inside? And inside there's like a big cathedral or what? Uh, what yeah. Wow. I don't, do I, have, I don't have a picture of the inside of it here. But it's on my You can look on, on YouTube and see yeah. the whole tour of it if you want. That's crazy. Do you have an office in that thing? 
<laughs> no, we have this. And the church, I just found out how rich the Church of England is. We own like seven buildings in the, vi- in the village. Wow. It's amazing. No, my, uh, about 100 yards behind you, like this way, would be, the, would be my office. You're going to ask for a raise? <laughs> now I'm going to ask to use they the buildings. They got money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they land rich. That's what it is. So, um, so uh, I mean, that's fascinating. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Um, what, um, what role do you find that God is having you um, have in your city? In the city. You talked about your church and how right, you're yeah. kind of a change agent in your church. What about your city? So, so 4 to 5% Christian. There's probably, can you go to that other slide, the one that says the city, the big boxes? I think it's the second, third slide down. There you go. Uh, here's the city. 85,000 people, two universities, 21,000 students. About, not 35, maybe 28 churches, maybe. Average church size is 50. So we're one of the bigger churches in the city. Um, and I'm, anyway, that's my youth group down there to the left. That's my senior pastor in the middle. And that's uh, me with some horses and dogs. And He looks kind of old. Yeah, he, he's like 62. Oh, okay. Yeah, about there. That's not that old. That's not that old. Mm-hmm. I know. He just looks old because he's bald. 60's the new 40. <laughs> what was the question again? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm oh, in the city, you. yeah. So in, this, in the, city, the city, the city of Bath, God, I feel like I was praying in about three months ago, four months ago now, God gave me permission, I think, to start praying for the city of Bath. Praying, Lord, what do you want to have me do in the city? So it's a good question, John. But it's a good question because I think the Lord's still revealing it to me. Um, by nature, by, I, just, I just meet people. So I know a lot of people in the city after being there for about a year now. And uh, we started networking youth pastors, probably about 15 youth pastors I have on my cell phone. And so I, I call one of them every, every week and say, hey, what's God doing? What's he showed you lately? What's working in ministry? How's God moving in your heart, your church? Um, so that's been a significant thing. I think another th- significant thing within the city has been my influence within the schools, like you just heard about before. Um, it's, it's weird. Youth pastors didn't know to take advantage of that. Like, are you guys nuts? This is amazing. I can go. You, mean, you tell me. All I got to do is call up the principal and say, "Hi, my name is Sky. My name is American. Me that helps. Uh, my name is Sky. I'd like to come and speak at your school and share with kids about good moral values because they like that, or not bullying, or love, or whatever. And then you use that to preach the gospel, and uh, and it goes really well. So within the city, m- my ability to influence through the schools has been really good because I'll walk like, we were at the staff dinner two days ago and there's like 40 people or the family the whole dinner uh, 40 people and the, the girl's like hey you're Sky I'm like yeah hi <laughs> and I spoke at her school last year and she remembered it and she remembered the message can you believe that I could believe that was amazing so she remembered the message I was pretty stoked and so hence it's, it's, it's salt that's getting out it's good and it encourages the Christians too like oh you can be cool and be a Christian. <laughs> no, that no, you don't understand how big that is. Like that's really? big, yeah. Like Christians are seen as like Ned Flanders. Like seriously, all the time. <laughs> if you don't know who Ned Flanders is, he's a really dorky guy on on Simpsons. Mr. Bean. Yeah. So to have a Christian who's passionate, who's confident about their faith, who can articulate their faith, who knows apologetics, like why, arguing why the existence of God is true, and who, say, who has an answer, and they say, well, what about evolution? Doesn't this science disprove the Bible? Well, actually, no, and here's the reason why. And I get there, like, I've never heard that. People talk like that. People don't know how to argue their faith. So it's a, it's a powerful thing, yeah. It's good. So do you still drink uh, coffee, or are you tea now? I drink a lot of more beer, actually. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> 
right. When I was in open Bible as a pastor, they didn't let me drink. I right, had to right, sign yeah, the deal. Yeah. Yeah. No, you can't. Oh, man. I went to California. I started drinking wine. <laughs> I moved to England. I started drinking beer. That's great. Beer. Oh, beer and chips, right? That's the deal, right? Uh, beer and chips, yeah. In yeah. pubs. Yeah. Oh, okay. In pubs. Because that's where you're going to go if you're going to hang out with a guy. Go out to right. a pub. Right. It's more of a family kind of atmosphere than right. a tavern. You see, you go downtown, peel up, you go to one of these junky taverns. No, not a cool, clean place. You go to a pub, like they have kids in there hanging huh. out. Yeah. yeah. And sitting there, yeah. I don't drink a lot of beer, but I've, yeah. I'm learning. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Here, here, the pastors here go, I'll, I'll meet you at Starbucks. <laughs> You're meeting them in pubs. That's great. <laughs> That's true. Maybe we should change. I don't know. Uh, everybody but Matt. Yeah. Um, There's plenty of problems with beer, by the way, over there. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, today's theme seems to be kind of, today's kind of going in one direction. That's kind of how it is from Sunday to Sunday. We always try and plan out how we want to uh, see a service go. But it just seems like the flavor of this service today is uh, becoming and is about um, looking ahead to the coming year. I mean, this is naturally, this is the last Sunday of the year. And looking at your own life and and saying, okay, God, what do you want to do with me in the coming year? Sort of making a um, dedication, so to speak, of your life fresh and anew to God in this coming year. And, um, um, you know, God is he's made us people of destiny. We're not people to, uh, to fail and die and give up and be ruined, but people of destiny that God has a, a call on our lives to lead us something for his glory and so that's coming up in this year for all of us and i think it's a day for us to really ponder that and think about that what do you have to say about what uh a word or a message that you'd have for canyon ridge as a as you're not you're an outsider but you're also an insider you know but you are you do have a, a different perspective about our future as a congregation this coming year and what god would have for us um Every time in my life when I've come back to God in some form or fashion, it's always been around the idea of surrender, which I think is great why you had us, you know, sit down and kneel down today. Because perspective, man. Because perspective. And specifically for this church, and you, you could say it for any believer, but I think specifically for this church, the value of intimacy with God. When we think about growing a church or getting growing closer to God or telling our friends about God or growing together as a church and a community. So much of that is centered around knowing, having a personal relationship with Jesus and not just on a Sunday and not just on a Wednesday night, not just a community group, but every day making that the primary driving purpose of my life, just to know him and to know him for knowing him's sake. There's no other reason. Like when I sit down and pray or I read the Bible, it's not so that I can tell my friend what I read or I can text my, my brother a good verse or I can say to someone I did this or I can feel good about myself. And when I sit up, stand up and worship God, it's not just so that you know I can stand up or I feel like I did my bit going to church, but like he is worth it within himself. Almost to the extent that I could say, I don't know, it's not really true, but... If I did nothing else in my life but but pray to God 
and, and be with him and have a relationship with him, that would be a life worth lived. This is partially related to how, uh, and this has come out of my mind, because um, how people in England, youth in England, view God. You know, uh, Blair, can you go up back to that slide, the one with the, the door in the background? They view God as old, irrelevant, not needed, works-oriented, boring, and science has disproven him. So when they are encountered with a personal, relevant, loving God that wants to change them and transform them and talk to him every day and have a conversation with him, that's something new. Now, for us here in America, it's not that old of an idea. We kind of know that. We, we know that. But to make that a, a reality, to really love him and to have him fill you with passion and joy, not every day because some days are harder than others, but on a consistent basis, that's something that will help this church grow in itself and outward. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, well, we're out of time. That went fast. Um, uh, but before we um, before we finish, I, what, what what is this here? I mean, so this, John, yeah, this is an old, old book here. So whenever I'm going across the, this, the, uh, discovering all these little villages and going to like, I love going to thrift shops because thrift shops sell local things that are cheap and worth nothing. Well, this isn't cheap and worth nothing. I found this thing for two bucks in Wales, and I was like, I bet you John would love to have this. Now on the ride over, it got broken. So sorry about that. It's a Bible. And this Bible was made before the Civil War in America. Wow. 1837. So I'm giving this as gift to Canyon Ridge and to John. Oh, that's cool. Awesome. So long history, long future. There you go. Wow, look at that. Is this Church of England Bible? Uh, Bible Society. British Bible Society. Okay. British and Foreign Bible Society. No, this is, yeah, because it's it's commissioned by His Majesty's Special Command. That was before Lincoln was president. By the Church of England. Wow. That was before Lincoln was president. That's, that's like cool. before the North and... That's before there were like 13 territories, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. Awesome. So that's yours. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'll add that to my collection.